Well, from the looks of things, Darren, we passed the audition. Yes. And it's time for another Dave and Darren's Top 5 Things podcast. Marvelous. A thrilling retrospective of what we got done on our morning show, which you can hear every morning over on Planet 93.9. Yep, that's where you'll find us. Yep, every morning. What are we on? 5.30 to 10. Okay. Most mornings. Yeah. Weekday mornings. Uh, Yo, not the weekend, no. No. This is for you. No. Why don't you guys do a best of? We do. It's this podcast. It's this thing right here. Yeah, yeah. Listen to it whenever you want. And here you are, so we're grateful for that. We should probably get started with... Uh, How about number one? Hmm. Number one. 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 Number one. Number one. We have dealt with cheating scandals recently in the world of chess, competitive walleye fishing, Irish dancing... And now get ready for Baggate. Baggate, Wall Street Journal describing it as perhaps the greatest controversy in the history of the sport. That sport, of course, bags. Some people call it cornhole. Professional bags. Allegations of cheating rocking the 2022 American Cornhole League World Championships. That's the game you play when you go to your buddy's house and uh, you throw beanbags at a board and there's a hole in the board, right? Both sides in a high-stakes doubles match accusing their opponents of using illegal bags. What, like you can remote control them into the hole? How how do you cheat at bags? After a one-hour delay, officials at the event back in August, this was on ESPN, mind you, determined that both sides were using Non-compliant bags. I can see where if you weighted the bags in such a way, yeah. and that if you were of a certain talent, mm-hmm. that you had them weighed in such a way, yeah. it's like, it's impossible for me to miss. Okay. I get it close, I get it close enough that it's, it's, it's going in. I have so many questions. Uh, it says here, the fabric bags... Used to be filled with corn, that's why they call it cornhole, but the preferred filling nowadays is resin pellets. Flatter, thinner bags can give players an edge, Yeah. and manufacturers say that instead of just breaking them in through playing, they've heard of players boiling the bags, putting the bags in the washer and dryer, and even running them over with their cars. Some players will treat their bags with vinegar or fabric softener to reduce the stiffness and friction. At the American Cornhole League World Championship, some of the bags inspected were found to be below the regulation size and weight of 6 by 6 inches and 16 ounces. $15,000 was at stake for the grand prize at the championships. Yeah, they're playing with a whole different level of bags. Than we've ever played with. The sport attracts sponsorship deals and top bags players can make $250,000 a year. Going around playing bags? ACL, that's the American Cornhole League spokesman Trey Ryder, says the league is cracking down on non-compliant bags and is, quote, exploring infrastructure for automated bag testing. Um, Help me understand this. Let's say you're playing a, a football game. You don't bring your own football to the football game. Typically, no. I Although, got to, if you're t- a, tonight, when but, the Astros and Phillies are playing Game Four of the World Series, 
They're not going to bring their own balls to play with. Yeah, but they have their own bats. Okay. And a professional golfer has his own clubs. Do they give the golfers the balls, though? Uh, no, I think they have their you own You play balls. with your own ball? I mean, yeah, I guess you yeah. do because you have different sponsorship deals. Yeah. I just don't understand why you wouldn't say, okay, guys. These are the bags. Here's your bags. They're all the same. Oh, no. They, uh, Trey, Trey Ryder saying here about the automated bag testing, he says, uh, quote, I think it's funny that anyone believed it would be all friendships and rose petals forever in Cornhall. Now the dirty underbelly is being exposed. <laughs> the dirty underbelly? You know what? A professional cornhole playing? You know what? I didn't expect that. <laughs> That's on me. I figured you were the most rotten people ever. <laughs> I just don't understand how if you're playing for 15 grand and the championship of the American Cornhole League, how the people of the American Cornhole League I mean, wouldn't they have bags made with like maybe even a little logo on the bag yes, saying for this uh, particular for, tournament? Right. Maybe the maybe the commissioner has his signature silk screened onto the bag. Why? I'm, I guess I just assumed that the bags that I have have actual pieces of corn in them. But I mean, I've had my bags for that's old school. I've had my bags for at least a decade, right? I mean, I. It's resin pellets. In it would there. be like going out and playing a round of golf, as opposed to with the clubs you have right now. Yeah, going out and playing with these highfalutin new clubs that were actually built for you. The difference. Well, but that's not. But that's not cheating. I didn't say it was cheating. Right. But to run over your car to make it flatter and thinner? run over your opponent, I think is what they said. <laughs> Both sides were using. Illegal bags, but they determined, again, this is my favorite part. They're there at the championship, and they determined that both sides in the championship match were using non-compliant bags, but they decided it probably wasn't intentional. How is that or not? It's, or it's a wash. <laughs> Just, you guys are both cheating at the same level. Right. Baggate. The professional cornhole drama taking over the sport. Yeah, we gotta we gotta boil these bags, then we gotta apply some fabric softener. We're never gonna win the doubles D bracket unless we vinegar up these bags. The first bag was thrown and the drama began. Devin Harbaugh, part of the number six ranked team, called for a bag check on his opponents. <laughs> Either um, check gonna, your bags. <laughs> I'm gonna call for a bag check. Is that something I'm going to... And he probably did it knowing that he would get his bags checked as well. Well, yeah. That's why, uh, <laughs> you know, are you... Sh <laughs> you might want to check mine twice. <laughs> let's, it's an interesting strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it works. Number one ranked team of Mark Richards and Philip Lopez Jr. got bag checked. He wanted to make sure their bags were legal before the critical match can began. A measuring tool was brought out. Bags were checked, and they failed. Inspection. In the ultimate case of turnabout is fair play, then Richards and Lopez Jr. asked for a bag check of Harbaugh and his partner. Their bags also failed inspection. It did not derail the event as both teams decided to play on despite their bags failing inspection. 
So it wasn't as if one team had an advantage over the other. But this was enough to spark huge debates on a, cor- on a Facebook group page called simply Addicted to Cornhole. It's one of the largest communities for players. One commenter saying on that Facebook group, quote, simply all bags should be inspected during registration for all major American corn league, Cornhole League events, period. Most of the bags these players throw are not going to pass inspection, probably if they checked every bag. Addicted to Cornhole. Well, the first taste is free. <laughs> I'm, I'm addicted to it, don't you see? I'm... I admit that I have a problem. I can't control myself. My bags are soaking in vinegar (laughs) as we speak. Neither of the teams believe... uh, In Baggate, there are people who say that neither teams manipulated the bags themselves, but these were a product of manufacturing issues. They say that's a bigger problem. With all the money flooding into Cornhole, dozens of bag makers are paying leagues to get involved and get the approved-by stamps on their bags. And this is opening up room for shoddy compliance issues. There's so much motivation from leagues to demand more out of companies that are paying them. Shoddy, I say. (laughs) Quote, the money coming in from manufacturers for licensing the stamp is substantial, so why rock the boat by implementing additional compliance measures which make manufacturing bags under your stamp a more rigorous endeavor? Look, if somebody wants to make a crappy bag, we'll put the American Cornhole League stamp on it. That's more money for us. At the end of the day, this is idiots throwing bags in parking lots and backyards. What do we care? As it stands, nothing is being done. In the days since Baggate, there's been no official change to the rules, no streamlining of the process. Even in the case of the prestigious televised events like the World Championships... No one is governing this sport. How about some accountability? I just don't understand why you wouldn't have bags made that were all uniform at a tournament and say, these are the bags. Right. You get these bags. If that's a problem, that's your problem. You're not going to be able to vinegar these things up or boil them or run them over with your car. The 405 is a freeway out in West Los Angeles. On Saturday night, uh, things got a little weird when you see something you don't expect to see on the 405. Uh Uh, That's just some random dude wheeling himself around in a wheelchair. On the freeway. Well, just when you thought you'd seen it all in L.A., a man in a wheelchair rolls down the 405. Um, There's a guy on a wheelchair in traffic on the 405. Yeah, I've had it. Yeah. (laughs) This is a guy that's just had enough. Just wheeling himself on a, you know. Whatever he had a hankering for, it was a hankering. I got a, a major hankering. Slow down traffic near Santa Monica Boulevard as cars were forced to wait behind this dude in a wheelchair. At one point, he moved over to another lane. Yeah, get out of the hammer lane, man. What do you think he was after? Like street tacos? Or <laughs> I don't know. He... Something. Cars are whizzing past this guy on the floor. I mean, that would be like getting on a wheelchair at night and pushing yourself, oh, I don't know, like on... The I-74 bridge, but if the I-74 bridge had like 20 times the traffic. 
California Highway Patrol says this guy was later taken off the freeway safely. No injuries or crashes were reported. I don't know if this guy was arrested or faces any charges. You really should not be wheeling yourself down the 405. Uh, Meanwhile, there's this story of a woman who was forced off of a plane because she wouldn't pay for a wheelchair. An Australian passenger on a Jetstar flight to Thailand said to be left humiliated after she was forced to crawl off the plane. Staff on the plane wouldn't get her a wheelchair unless she paid extra. Oh, no, there's a, an extra fee for wheelchairs, ma'am. You're going to make me crawl. Well, you could pay the fee. Natalie Curtis says she was offered a special wheel f- wheelchair that fit in plane aisles when she was boarding her flight from Singapore to Bangkok. Do you take Diners Club? When she landed in Bangkok and required the same service, she was told that she would have to pay if she wanted to be wheeled off the plane. Oh, no, we'll put you on the plane in a wheelchair for nothing, but if you want us to take you off, there's an extra little something that we need to wet our beaks. She was with her friend, who was unable to carry her because she had an injured knee. And then there's footage of this woman showing her having to crawl her way off the plane. She says, I I didn't really comprehend why they would charge me for a wheelchair, and I was like, no, I'm not paying to be able to get off the plane. It was extremely humiliating, she says. She's been in a wheelchair since high school, and uh, she says she's never felt so degraded in her entire life. Yeah, it's not the best look. No. You can't get her off in the wheelchair? Not without it. We start letting her off the plane for free. Uh, You know, everyone in a wheelchair is going to want this service for nothing. She said she was uh, just shocked. Her friend with the bad knee says, I couldn't physically lift her, so I felt really hopeless, and I couldn't believe this was really happening. They said they tried to find out if a complimentary wheelchair could be fast-tracked to them, but they said the flight staff just stood around and watched, and no one did anything to help. For their part, the airline is offering her a full refund, additional compensation. Wouldn't it have been easier to just get her the wheelchair? And they have apologized for her experience. Darren, it would have been infinitely easier to just get her a wheelchair. And be done with it. Uh, Let's see, the airline here saying, we unreservedly apologize to Ms. Curtis for her recent experience while traveling with us. We are committed to providing a safe and comfortable travel experience for all of our customers, including those requiring special assistance. They say it is not, indeed, not their policy to charge for using a wheelchair to board or disembark from their planes. All right, so whose side hustle was this? This is something the flight crew came up with, obviously. Oh, yeah, no, we have, it's an airline policy. We need you to pay us in cash for the wheelchair. Sorry. Jetstar is the airline involved here. They say they're investigating the incident as yes. a matter of urgency. Someone's getting a talking to. Mm-hmm. What? We thought that was our we huh? thought that was policy. I, we, we, did, did we get that wrong? Other people get tips. Yeah, that Kaylee Kuoko, you know, from the Big Bang Theory? Yes. 
She's in a show called The Flight Attendant. Is that still on the air? Yeah, I think it just had its its second season on HBO. I've heard good things. I haven't watched any of it. Is she like a naughty stewardess? I I don't think she's naughty. I think she's like a spy. Oh. I haven't watched it. But she plays a flight attendant in the show The Flight Attendant, and she got people all hot and bothered the other day by suggesting that you really ought to start tipping your flight attendants. She says she always tips flight attendants whenever she flies anywhere. Well, listen here. If I was making any of that... Uh, Big bang money. Big bang money or Priceline money. I tell you what, I'd be happy to tip everybody on the plane if, for not <laughs> acting like an idiot. You get a dollar, you get a dollar. Thank you for not being an idiot on this flight. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> she was asked whether she has an added appreciation for flight attendants after playing one. And she said, yes, actually. You didn't play a real one. Well, she, you didn't do that. <laughs> she says, do you, do you show employees a little bit, uh, airline employees a, a bit of love? And she said, yes, for sure. They deserve tips. We should all tip our flight attendants. Yes, she says, tip your flight attendant. I've, it's never occurred to me that a flight attendant is someone I should, uh, I should offer a gratuity to. That's, that's their Tip job. Tip the person you sit next to. Thanks for not being a monster. Hey, way to keep that kid quiet the whole flight. Here's an extra 10 for you. And uh, here's another $5. Give the kid another dollar. <laughs> Whatever you're feeding that kid, buy $5 more of it. Uh, Kaylee Cuoco says she had to study flight attendants before she played one in this TV show. She said she didn't really need to, though, as she takes enough flights. But people got hot and bothered by the suggestion now that Kaylee Cuoco thinks we should be tipping the flight staff. Uh, Somebody writing here, or how about this, Kaylee? Maybe the airlines should just pay them more. There's always that. The general public already pays enough for those flights. Airlines need to pay better. Yeah, yeah, if I'm sitting there for a couple of hundred bucks, I'm going to pay I'm gonna pay 20% on a couple of hundred bucks for getting me a bag of peanuts and yelling at me that I uh, got my foot in the aisle? No, no. No, that's not happening. I imagine she's tipping people because she's probably on, like, private jets and stuff, right? Kaylee Cuoco's not flying coach. Anywhere, I shouldn't think. If you're financially able and willing to do it, go nuts. But when does it end? There's plenty of people that, you know, you could tip. Anybody want to hear a song? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I saw you laughing at the last thing we just said. <laughs> Hold your oh, hand. Oh, uh-huh. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Put the point to the, the tip jar. Yeah. There you go. You know, you like listening to that stream? Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank Did, you. Do you see the little hand that's <laughs> that's sticking out? Yeah, where's our tip jar? Uh-huh. Great call. Don't tell me we didn't crack you up this morning. <laughs> Number three. 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 Three different people in trouble for stealing meat. Nine million dollars worth of meat. A nine million dollar meat heist. That's what we're talking about. Talk about having the meat sweats. Facing charges. I've never been so nervous in my life. The cops are saying this is a months-long, multi-million dollar scheme targeting meat packing facilities across the Midwest. Uh Uh-huh. 
Inside jobs. Delvis Fuentes, Yoslani del Sol, and Lydia Adino, charged with illegal transport of stolen goods and money laundering in this case. Agents with Homeland Security say the investigation started in late June in Nebraska. The Lancaster County Sheriff's Office was notified of the theft of two trailers loaded with beef that were worth almost $400,000. I remember we talked about this when it happened because we thought, that's a lot of meat you got to move. Law enforcement ultimately found the trailers, but when they did, the meat was gone. A search of data from the cell phone tower near where the trailers were stolen turned up hits for phones belonging to these three people, who, it won't shock you, all three of them are Florida residents. Florida. Fuentes, Del Sol, and Adino. Later cell phone data put these three in Nebraska at various times between June and October. In a press release... A spokesperson for the Department of Homeland Security said Omaha agents have connected these three to 45 thefts at beef and pork plants across Nebraska, Minnesota, North Dakota, Wisconsin, and Iowa, totaling $9 million worth of meat. We thought it was going to last forever. <laughs> In mid-October, you agents... pull this off over 40 times, <laughs> you're feeling pretty confident. I guess you are. It's so easy to steal meat in the Midwest. Mid-October, agents tracked these three to a Love's Travel Center in Columbia, Tennessee, where investigators say they spotted them, each driving semi-tractors without any trailers. The trio was then later found driving near Des Moines. They were seen traveling together in the same truck, driving very slowly around two different semi-tractor yards in Iowa. They were casing the yards, you see. On October 13th, agents say they put a GPS device on the semis being driven by the trio. This is, this is quite a caper. Mm -hmm. On October 15th, authorities learned the trailer had been stolen overnight from Thermo King in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. That trailer was packed with 19 pallets of delicious ham. Tina, come get some ham. Mmm. 19 pallets of ham valued at $40,000. Investigators say GPS data put the tracked semi at the theft locations along with the spot where the empty trailers were discovered. They were tracking the semi in real time and they saw that it was headed from Sioux Falls to Worthington, Minnesota. Do you know how many brunches that covers? It just, I'm puzzled why they spend all this time watching these three drive all around the Midwest. At some point, why not just, you know where they're at, just pick them up. When's your favorite time of the day to have ham? Oh, I don't know that there's a wrong time, but if I was... If, I you're, if you're saying to pick one of the 24 hours, I'll say between 5 and 6 p.m. Really? Oh, it's great more for More of dinner. a ham dinner thing. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't care I think for I'm ham. More, I think I'm more of a ham in the morning. Mm, no, it's too... Um, salty? It's too salty and, frankly, uh, too much protein. I don't need that much protein in the morning. I'll get my protein from the eggs and the bacon. Thank you. If you're going to throw ham on top of it, now I got to go take a nap. That's no way to start my day. I think ham in the 9 o'clock hour is a pretty good idea. 9 a.m.? Yeah. Have you ever had ham just before bedtime? 
I have that album. <laughs> Ham just before bedtime? Yeah, wasn't that Super Tramp? <laughs> Take a look at my girlfriend. She's cutting up a slice of ham. October 16th, authorities learned the, the three electric pallet jacks had been stolen from a warehouse in Pipestone, Minnesota. Authorities also learned two semi-trailers and two tractors were stolen from JBS. Those trailers contained 22 pallets of pork valued at $150,000. A GPS on one of the trailers showed a trailer at a Shopco in Worthington, and GPS tracking data showed these three were now traveling from that Shopco back towards Miami. This is now suddenly like a, a Smokey and the Bandit sitch. We gotta get this ham to Miami. <laughs> we gotta get this ham to Miami in 24 hours. <laughs> I gotta barbecue your assy molasses. I'm rooting for Smokey in that movie. October 18th, the Tennessee Highway Patrol pulled over a semi driven by Fuentes for a Department of Transportation inspection. Inside the trailer, investigators found 19 pallets of pork that matched the meat stolen in Sioux Falls. A later check of the box labels on the meat confirmed it was, in fact, the meat stolen from Sioux Falls. Tennessee investigators determined that Fuentes had a fake bill of lading, a document that details, you know, what's in the shipment. It had the wrong state of origin on it. And the transportation company was incorrect. And it was only one page, which for meat shipments, agents will tell you, that's pretty sus, bro. I think we found our pig rig. <laughs> How is this not a Netflix series? How is this not something on Netflix? Just tracking these maniacs as they go across country. <laughs> In the pig rig. Making bacon on the way to making. Federal authorities continue to track through three semis. They only gave this Fuentes citations after the, sh after the stop. They still didn't arrest this guy. On October 20th, the feds continue, continue to track these three semis. Fuentes stopped again, this time for a faulty equipment violation by the Florida Highway Patrol. Again, Fuentes showed that fake bill of lading when he was asked about the cargo. The trooper noticed discrepancies with the cargo, and Fuentes appeared to be visibly nervous during questioning. I don't know what he's got to be nervous about. They keep stomping him, and they never arrest him. A short time later, authorities found trucks driven by Del Sol and Andino at a commercial truck lot. Those two allowed investigators to search their trucks. Inside, they found meat products stolen from JBS in Worthington, Minnesota, and South Dakota. They also found the pallet jacks that had been stolen. The investigation into these thefts is ongoing. The uh, three of these jokers will end up in federal court to answer to the charges that, again, they somehow managed to steal $9 million worth of meat. Mm. That's, that's a lot of work. If you steal $9 million worth of meat, you got to move that meat. Sure. Right? What's your what's your take? How much of that is wet in your beak? I mean, the three of them were probably making. If you stole nine million dollars, it's three million dollars worth of uh, stolen meat apiece. 
What's, how much do you get to keep? Yeah, what, well, what's their take? Like, how much money, how much dough do they make out of this? 100 grand? Oh, 200 it's gotta, grand? It's gotta be more than that. Yeah. For 40 trips? Stop yourself. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe for them it wasn't about the no. money. Maybe it was about the chase, you the know? The sport. Just out here stealing meat. I, I just, I just don't know how. So much of this story is that the agents were tracking them because they knew they were stealing meat, and yet they just keep driving all around. I would love to see this turned into a some sort of Martin Scorsese film, some sort of meat mafia movie. Make this happen, please. I want to speak this into existence. We get to use the coda of Layla again. <laughs> Number four. 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 A couple of folks wondering if they're in the wrong, and they're asking strangers on the internet. Uh huh. This is one of, one of my I've, favorite things that we do. Why bother a friend when you can? <laughs> right. Why not? Why not make this everyone's problem? Everyone's ordeal. <laughs> People wondering if they're jerks, and uh, maybe someone has suggested they're a jerk, or maybe they just have a, a nagging mm-hmm. thought in their head. And more often than not, when we present these stories, just to have it weighing on you that you feel you might be in the wrong is the first step. Yeah. Typically, right. not always. Your true jerks don't have that switch. They don't have the ability to think, maybe my behavior has negatively affected others. Maybe I. Maybe I owe someone an apology. I got two for you, and let's see what you think. Am I a jerk for eating whatever I want in the house? <laughs> okay, all right. So I'm on board to begin with. I am 51 years old, and I live with my wife, who's 49, and three kids. My daughter's 24, and I have two boys that are 21 and 14. I paid the mortgage. Mm-hmm. I pay the bills. I pay for groceries. Mm-hmm. My wife works hard, her money goes for our vacations and retirement. Okay, so it's allocated for other things. Yeah. My wife works, and and her money is for our vacations and retirement. Mm -hmm. And we are all happy with this arrangement. Yes. She makes about $85,000 a year. Nice. I make more. Okay. Okay? So this is a... Sure. My daughter has a job that she got after college. My middle kid works part-time when he's in school to pay for extras. All of my kids will graduate their undergrad with no debt. Wow. I work weird hours and shifts. I'm writing this at 3.30 in the morning because I just got home. There was a note waiting for me on the fridge Mm -hmm. berating me for eating a box of firecracker shrimp I found in the freezer (laughs) and made for myself for supper yesterday. Uh Uh-huh. Apparently. (laughs) Yeah? Apparently, it was something my daughter had bought for herself. Yeah. There wasn't any note on it or in the freezer or anything. This is not the first time this has happened, but I think this is going to be the last time. I'm thinking of talking to my wife and asking her to tell my daughter that anything in the fridge or freezer that isn't labeled is fair game or that she has to start paying for all the groceries that she's consumed. Because she does not buy the basics. She eats all the groceries that my wife buys. I don't really have a problem with her living here rent-free and eating my food while she saves money. I have a problem with her calling me a jerk for eating food I found in my freezer in my house. (laughs) I should probably add that in the past, I have found out that more than once, 
food she got actually just meant food that she added to the grocery list ah. and that I paid for as her mom shopped for it. Ah. The shrimp was purchased by my wife using our budget. It was frozen shrimp and not takeout. <laughs> so am I a jerk here for eating whatever I want in the house? Well, you're not. Uh... Although you, you you love your daughter, don't you? Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. Maybe you just grab a box of that shrimp the next time. <laughs> if you're living rent free in my yeah. house and you're 21 years old, and you're going to complain about that, yeah. yeah, no, I'd say that's uh, you, you really shouldn't be making a big deal out of it, <laughs> right? There was a time I was. Staying at my uh, folks' house for the summer in between uh, years of college. Mm -hmm. And I worked, like, I stayed up in Dubuque a lot longer. I think I was, I really only went home that summer for like three or four weeks. Okay. And there was a time when we went out and I, th I think we went to Rick Benny's. And I brought home an extra sandwich yeah, that's, with the that, intention that, of eating. I'm going to get to that later. I'm going to eat that the next day. Yeah. And uh, I went to go, you know, it was, it was, I was like 20 years old, yeah. stayed out late, Yeah. Uh, went downstairs oh, to get- My saving grace is right, that the, right. that Rick and Benny's steak pack is still sitting it, there. Exactly. And I go to the fridge. And dad's eating it. He, you, you, have I told this story no, before? No, no, but- Fred had consumed the entire sandwich. Yes. And I said, hey, uh, you know, I put a sandwich in that uh, fridge. Uh, yeah. Uh, that was- that Boy, was, what a mistake that was. Right, right. <laughs> And Fred explained that I was, you know, yeah. living in his house rent free, yeah, and that he was paying for, a, you know, a big yeah. chunk of the college, yeah. and maybe I needed to rethink the whole <laughs> "Where's my sandwich?" <laughs> argument, right. and I did. Yeah, when that when it was explained to me rationally, yeah, like, well, you know what? He's got some excellent points. The math, <laughs> the math adds up. Yeah, right. I'm not yeah. paying for uh, for the, the see, lodging here. Oh, okay. See that? That see that's the mistake you made. Mm. Did you hide the sandwich? In the fridge? No. Well. No, I should have. You sure should have. Like hidden it behind some vegetables or something. You hide it. Yeah, no, I think I put it right. Because It was even, like the first silvery because even if object I, even, that you could okay, find. Say it's your dad. And yeah. if it's just sitting right up front, right oh. out front, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I'm not. he's not going to have that big a problem. If, if it's hidden, it might give him a little bit of pause as to, huh. Uh, I'm, not, mm. I'm not saying he wouldn't have still eaten it oh, anyway. Yeah. yeah. But if you, if you give him a little something to think about, it's like, well, it, mm -hmm. it could be that the boy mm -hmm. is saving this for later. And I get it. Yeah. They're delicious. Yeah. Yeah. I think that now that the tables are turned, now that I'm, I'm a father, and I think if, if the tables were turned and, and if my son is much older and he left a, a, certainly a Rick and Benny steak pack in the fridge, yeah. I think I'd pull the same, the same argument. I mean, the, the, when the math is explained to you, but you wouldn't be completely oblivious. I mean, it would be like if you ate it, it'd mm -hmm. be like that was somebody's. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can't be just like -uh, my refrigerator. It's like yeah. you have to be. Right. Come on, don't act like you're not aware. Well, yeah, no, it was clear that that was something that I had put in the fridge. Yeah, and but having said this, with this guy, mm -hmm. you don't know that. It doesn't sound like he was aware that that was necessarily put in there by, right, by his daughter, right. So you you would have every right to eat it. Yeah, I think not a jerk though. We both agree. Yeah, I don't think so. No, right, but 
And then there's this one. Uh, am I a jerk for blaming our house getting TP'd on my husband, who gave out toothbrushes instead of candy this year for trick-or-treats? Well, he can't be a dentist. He is. Uh, Den- he- no, dentists give out candy. That's what I've always <laughs> told, been told. Dentists like to give out the most sugary, caramely, stick-to-your-teeth yeah, candy the that stuff they can you find. can't get off your teeth. She says uh, here, uh, this Halloween, my husband, who was a dentist, wanted to try something new. Instead of filling the bowl with candy, no. he filled it with toothbrushes and toothpaste. It's not a bad deal. I told him that this idea would turn out terribly. Because I know myself that as a child and a middle school teacher, all I wanted for Halloween is candy and definitely not good tooth care. But he convinced himself that it would be great because, quote, what kids wouldn't like to get this on Halloween night? They don't want toothaches, do they? Well, he did it. And he was surprised to find that only one boy or two thanked us. The others were pretty annoyed with this. And some demanded candy so much that I had to bring them a candy bowl or else they wouldn't have stopped crying. Oh, you made them cry. They only got more frustrated and annoyed when my husband told them that they would have to get at least one toothbrush or toothpaste when they get the candy, and it was kind of a disaster. Then it was all over, and kids just stopped coming to our house, and we went to bed. We heard something only to go out and find that some brats threw toilet rolls and eggs over the house. You're calling them brats. And ran away. We spent a long time cleaning it up, and I told him that he should have just given them candy like I told him to. And he's been mildly upset by all of this, saying that I'm the one acting like a jerk. But to be honest, he's the one acting like a jerk. I'm a middle school teacher, and he should have just listened to me, as he has no extended experience with children like I do. So am I the jerk here? No. No, that's a jerk move, giving out toothbrushes. And toothpaste. It's a nice little savings, really. I mean, the toothbrush is gonna and toothpaste is gonna last longer than the candy. Yeah, but kids don't pay for their own toothbrushes. Yeah, and they're and they're dentists typically. <laughs> right? They're not they're not forking over the tooth. Typically, they don't. Right. You could tell a kid uh, eating candy is bad for you. You're gonna get candy. Guess what? They're gonna eat all the candy. If I got to go to the dentist, that's something mom and dad will fork out for. Mm-hmm. How's that any of my business? Wow. Um, so two that are not jerks. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. Someone here says that, that they had a dentist on their block when they were growing up. Yeah. And as a kid, he had a, a bowl that was not filled with candy, but instead it was filled with change... And a 35-millimeter film canister. You got to use the film canister and dig for change, and you got to keep whatever you got. <laughs> One swipe is all you got. You take that little film canister, you go digging around, and you come up, you got some change. I don't know. That's a non-candy option, but that seems... So what do you put, like a bunch of pennies, dimes? Yeah, you got, there's no quarters in here. Yeah, maybe there are. Dig and see. Uh, somebody says, we always have non-candy options for kids who can't have it for whatever reason. And those non-candy options are always popular with the kids. Stickers, erasers, little plastic crap. The kids love it because they get candy everywhere else. You didn't do candy this year, did you? Well, we did Rice Krispie Treats. Sweet. You did a sweet, but not a candy. Yeah, yeah, but we're not getting egged for Rice Krispie Treats. Kids were thrilled to get Rice Krispie Treats. No, we didn't. I, I know. I do know. I checked. 
First thing you checked? <laughs> no. Well, you could tell. Their demeanor is... when The, the, the demeanor of the kids is that you got... How was their You demeanor? gave a good treat, How then you don't demeanor? get treated. Was it like, ooh, this is different? More often than not, yes. Were you? What kind of uh, demeanor did you have? Pretty proud? <laughs> well, we've been doing this Rice Krispie Treat gimmick for a couple of years. Yeah, but I'm just saying, did you have kind of a smile on your face? Like, yeah, they like it. They like it. Well, yeah. I want the kids in the neighborhood to have a nice Halloween. Sure. Yeah, I like wouldn't it. say I was proud. Yeah, look at me. But yeah, it, I really nailed it again this it, year. It, it takes up a lot of space in the bag, and it's different from what they get everywhere else. Uh-huh. That's the two, uh, two things I checked off my list. And frankly... I think, all told, it was much cheaper than had I bought the the big bag of candy. You gotta like that as well. I think everybody won with the rice, the big box of rice krispie treats because they had them at Costco, and it was like four dollars off. Ooh. And it's because I waited until the day or two before mm-hmm. Halloween to get got, it. Got to move these. So I got a big box of like sixty rice krispie treats. I don't think we went through all of them. Well, no, you're not gonna. And uh, yeah, the kids went nuts. There were a couple of kids that had extra good costumes. In what way did they go nuts? They just were very excited to see it was a Rice Krispie treat. Okay. It's like, oh, this isn't a Tootsie Roll or a Dum Dum, you know? I wouldn't say that's going nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we didn't have any incidents. The, nobody, no, no children had any episodes in my driveway. No you're, one you're went, absolutely. No one correct. went mental. You're right. I'm over. I'm. I'm doing that thing where I oversell. Bing bong. Nobody had a, a complete breakdown <laughs> over the Rice Krispie treat. The authorities didn't have to be called over the Rice Krispie treat. People didn't show up no. with a little white jacket. No, no. They're coming to take him away. Ha ha. No, there was none of that. Uh, okay, good. Uh, but I, I will say that to a child, yeah. they all seemed very pleased sure. with the idea of getting a, a, a Rice Krispie treat in a, in a you know, the that blue foil wrapping. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever have, when you were growing up, trick-or-treats where people would do homemade things? I think there used to be people that attempted the corn... Uh, Popcorn ball. Popcorn ball. Yeah, there's always a family growing up that would do the popcorn balls. Uh, and then there was also, uh, I think there were there were people that gave away dimes, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. There was a there was a family on our block that gave away religious pamphlets. Mm-hmm. And um, let's just say you're gonna burn. <laughs> <laughs> let's just say it didn't it didn't go well for uh, them. No. That was it was not well received by uh, neighborhood children. That you're using Halloween to hand out little pamphlets promoting your nonsense. Uh, Tooth, you know, toilet paper and and eggs. As soon as I get my hands, that's an appropriate response. I'm I'm promising to myself right now. As soon as I get my hands on a helicopter, I'm going to be dropping propaganda like nobody's business. In Des Moines, I know we, we've talked about this every year, but it blows me away. In Des Moines, for trick-or-treats, the kids have to tell you a joke. Oh, I don't. Doesn't that seem like that'd be exhausting? Like, trick-or-treat, here's your candy, and, and the exchange is done. Well, here's, where's my joke? You're going to make... They have do to I, do, like, a little routine in you, Des Moines. How about you dance now for me? What? <laughs> What's Yo, let's get out of here, kids. Paint I something. We don't need it to, to be entertained. Just take the candy and go. No, and if, if you're pleased pa- with the candy, then you won't play a trick on us. Here's the treat. 
and then you don't do the trick. That's the exchange. Yes, exactly. I'm not doing. There won't it. be any mischief because you're pleased Turning with what this we give into you. Vaudeville. <laughs> You've got the brain of a four year old boy, and I bet he was glad to get rid of it. Five, 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 five. Peacock announcing they're getting to work on a Friday the Thirteenth prequel series. It's called Crystal Lake. Thursday the twelfth. <laughs> That's a better name. Darren, you have a better name. The prequel to Friday the 13th is Thursday the 12th. Peacock announcing that they are going to be doing this show called Crystal Lake, a prequel drama based on the Friday the 13th franchise. How much help do you people need? Brian Fuller, the creator of shows such as Star Trek Discovery and American Gods Will Write, showrun, and executive produce the series which will be produced by A24. Now, that's the studio that's doing a bunch of really buzzy movies and a lot of really good horror movies. That Pearl was one that uh, Mike just raved about. Yeah. Or was it the sequel to Pearl that he raved about? Did he hate Pearl and love the sequel to Pearl? I think it was the... Wasn't it the prequel to Pearl? Okay, so he loved the prequels. Uh, Friday the 13th was first released as a movie in 1980. And that's the one with Jason Voorhees, the guy in the hockey mask, who likes to go around uh, Camp Crystal Lake and, and kill scantily clad campers. There was a TV show, a Friday the 13th TV show at one point. Do you remember that in the 80s? What was it called? It was just called Friday the 13th, hmm. the TV show, which seems like, I don't know how that would be a... Well, it is every Friday. What do you mean? Was the show on Fridays? Yeah, but not on only Friday the 13th. Yeah. Ah, actually, it was a syndicated show. So I don't, I think it was on, I think on the TV station that I watched it on, I think it was on Saturdays. Does that make any sense? Hmm. Uh, Paramount began airing Friday the 13th, a series, the series, uh, from 1987 until 1990. That show followed Mickey and Ryan, inherited owners of an antique store, which they learned was cursed. After they sold all of the cursed antiques, they then had to work together to recover all of the cursed antiques that they accidentally sold. What does that have to do with it, Jason Voorhees? He's not in the show at all. Friday the 13th, the series. They had a. They just went around and... So had to buy back all the stuff that they sold. That's a terrible business model. There was also a Freddy Krueger TV show back in the 80s. Uh, that was called Freddy's Nightmares. And that concept of that was it was like an anthology series, and Freddy would kind of introduce the, the stories. He was like the... Um, he always ate way too late <laughs> just before going to bed. <laughs> It's an undigested potato giving me these nightmares. No, he would be like the uh, Rod Serling, you know? So it was Freddy Krueger introducing some different nightmares that he wanted to share with you. If you if you can wrap your head around that. I just don't... So, so this TV show will be about Camp Crystal Lake, I'm guessing, if it's called Crystal Lake. There have been video games of Friday the 13th. Uh, there have been novels... The intellectual property got tangled in a complex rights deal when it moved from Paramount to New Line 
and became caught in a years-long copyright dispute between the movie's original director-producer and the original screenwriter. Somehow that got figured out in court, and now the original screenwriter has control over the script and the original characters, but as a result of the lawsuit, can't use the title Friday the 13th. Also, cannot legally use the concept of an adult Jason Voorhees and cannot use the hockey mask. The hockey mask was introduced in the third movie? Is that right? In Friday the 13th, one and two, he's not wearing a hockey mask? What? Yeah, that's what it says here. I guess in my mind, he's always worn the hockey mask, but that wasn't introduced until the third movie in the series, which would have been Friday the 13th. Oh, gosh. This time it's personal. Uh, That was just called Friday the 13th Part 3. Friday the 13th Part 4 was called uh, The Final Chapter. (laughs) They would make eight more movies after The Final Chapter. Yeah, don't believe them. There has not been a Friday the 13th movie since 2009. Is that right? Boy, it seems like they're ready for a reboot then. So Crystal Lake will be a prequel series to Friday the 13th, but at no point will it be Friday the 13th, and Jason Voorhees will have nothing to do with the show. Are you excited, kids? Sounds like they're taking some liberties. (laughs) Sounds like a real winner. There can't be anyone in a hockey mask. There can't be a Jason Voorhees on the show. Other than that, it sounds terrific. Go wild. (laughs) So that's what they figured out in court. Yeah, you know, you can go ahead and do Crystal Lake, but uh, Jason doesn't belong to you, and you can't have anyone in a hockey mask. And don't mention Crystal Lake, (laughs) because that's where Mike Schultz is from. (laughs) Right. And you can't mention Crystal Light. Because that's what Linda Evans drinks to stay so slim and trim. She believes in Crystal Light because she believes in me. And don't mention Crystal from Dynasty. Or Dynasty. (laughs) Don't get Crystal Bernard involved. At no point can anyone be listening to a Crystal Radio. There's no Crystal Blue Persuasion. Really, the movie's just going to... off limits. This TV show's just going to be a camera zooming around a lake for 50 minutes. You're not allowed to have a St. Bernard... It's just, my God, this list is a mile long. There's a of lot we, of... What can we do? Really? Uh, nothing, tied, nothing. Tied our hands here on this. I don't know what we can do. Uh, reading here from the uh, press We're pretty happy release. with the deal we struck with everyone. <laughs> reading here from the press release that Peacock put out here, it says, Friday the 13th is one of the most iconic horror franchises in movie history, and we're dying to revisit this story with our upcoming drama series, Crystal Lake. Right, but it doesn't sound like you're really going to be revisiting anything. If you, if you're well, telling, we can't. If you're telling me you have a Friday the 13th TV show, but it doesn't have Jason Voorhees, I don't know what you're telling me you have. We can't wait to get to work with Brian Fuller, a gifted visionary creator who I've had the pleasure of being a longtime friend and collaborator, along with our incredible partners at A24 in this updated version for Peacock that will thrill longstanding fans of the franchise. Okay. We have Lark Voorhees. She's going to be babbling to herself, swimming around in the water. (laughs) It's kind of terrifying. Lark Voorhees. And she's wearing hockey pads, but not the mask. It's just Lark Voorhees 
<laughs> from Saved by the Bell. That's right. Wearing a full goalie kit without the mask. Now that I would watch. I didn't want to muss up my hair. <laughs> Lark for Eves is gonna get you. <laughs> now that I'd watch. She's just chasing Mario Lopez around Crystal Lake with a big goalie stick. <laughs> Friday, and you call it Friday the 12th. That's a hit TV show. Thursday the 12th. Right. You're right. That's even better. He was not wearing a hockey mask in the first two uh, 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 installments of the movie. I had no idea. The first Friday the 13th came out on May 9th, 1980. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't it make sense to release it on a Friday the 13th? There's a couple of those every year. Yeah, it typically did. Yeah. Did they make a movie called Saturday the 14th? Am I imagining that? Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> I'm telling you, there was like a there was like a spoof of the Jason movies called Saturday the 14th. Yeah, here it is. Saturday the 14th, starring real life husband and wife Paula Prentice and Richard Benjamin. Saturday the 14th. Uh, there was also a sequel called Saturday the 14th Strikes Back. How, how are you not familiar with this? This seems like it's right up your alley. Mm-hmm. Starring Richard Benjamin, Paula Prentice, and a young Jeffrey Tambor? Not very well reviewed. A spoof of Friday the 13th maybe wasn't what people were... Uh... They were trying to follow up on the success of uh, <laughs> Love at First Bite. Oh, right. An all-American family inherits a deceased uncle's house. John and Mary Hyatt, together with their daughter Debbie and their son Billy, move in. But Waldemar, a vampire, and Yolanda, his wife, want to get rid of the rundown house, or they want to get into the rundown house, because it contains a book of evil. Billy finds the book. He reads a curse hanging over the date of Saturday the 14th. As he turns the page, a monster is unleashed, and with each turn, another disappears from the page and is materialized within or outside the home. Soon, the house is swarming with monsters. Reboot this. This sounds like a much more interesting movie. Eventually, there's a duel between Van Helsing and the vampires. Okay. Richard Benjamin's still with us? Mm, I'll say yes. Indeed he is. He's 84 years old. Is he still married to Paul Apprentice? Then I'll say no. No, still very much married. Hmm. Isn't that marvelous? They're in their 80s, just hanging out. Uh, they Boy, were all... she's got to be tired of him by now. They were in a uh, sitcom together, too, called He and She. Did you ever watch that? It's from the makers of Mary, the Mary Tyler Moore Show. No. He and She. So these two uh, work together, and uh, uh, they live together. They've been married since the 60s. Oof. That's a lot of Richard Benjamin. Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. I didn't think it'd be like this. That's all the time we have. We packed a lot into that episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Power packed it. Yeah, really. It was power packed. Too much. Full of wonderful content that we hope you enjoyed. Thanks for subscribing to Dave and Darren's Top 5 Things 
and leaving a review if that's That'd something nice. you can do. Yeah, we, we always look forward to getting those. And again, don't forget, you can listen to the show live. Because what this is is the best of. There's a lot of stuff that's really good that just doesn't make it. Yeah. But maybe yeah. maybe you'll enjoy that more. Some sort of deep album track. Yeah, check it out live weekday mornings, 530 to 10 on Planet 93.9. Until we get a chance to do another one of these podcasts for you, hang mm-hmm. loose, kooks. And you stay classy and safe, Quad Cities. Come on, Quad Cities, represent. This is for the Quad Cities record spot. Davenport, yeah, we keeping it locked. Rock out, come on. And it just don't stop. East Moline, yeah, they keeping it hot. Uh. That does it. Out you two pixies go through the door or out the window. Hey, boys, Stimpy. We sure had fun today, didn't we? So long, kids. Come on, Stimpy, say goodbye. Yeah, where are we going? The show's over. See you next time. Next time? When's that? Pretty soon. Don't worry. Pretty soon? How long is that? In a little while, man. <laughs> a little while? What'll we do till then? <laughs> Stand clear of the closing doors, please.